Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. Well, games like last night just don't happen every day, and certainly Nebraska fans know what it feels like. Beat a number one team, get the court storm. I do think there is an advantage, though, for Creighton to have the today off, so the game happening on Tuesday. Remember when Nebraska did it, it was a Tuesday. Had to turn around and play on the road on a Friday. At Iowa. Yes. This is going to be on. an extra couple so wet, of days. Odd weather week, too. Remember, there was yes, no one really weather. at the yeah, arena. bad weather. And so, yeah, meanwhile, Creighton doesn't have to play again until Sunday. Sunday yeah. at Madison Square Garden. I mentioned uh, during the interview we had with Mitch Ballock, and if you missed it, check it out on the radio replay, 1620thezone.com. He mentioned Stephen Ashworth. And, yes, Ashworth had a game high or team high, 20 points. Had those threes, um, you know, certainly got the crowd lit up. Had the uh, uber, uber deep three. Mm-hmm. Uh, shades of both Mitch and Ethan Roggy. But it was his defense that was every bit, if not more critical to the operation than anything else. So Cam Spencer, who used to play at Rutgers, transferred to UConn this year, is a great three-point shooter. He's third in the country or at least he was third in the country last night coming into this uh, game in three-point field goal percentage. forty, Just a shade under 44%. Mm-hmm. In the two games that he has faced Ashworth, Ashworth has been his primary defender. And the numbers, for those of you watching in on the stream, um, the numbers at the top are Spencer against all teams minus Creighton. And then the numbers below that are the two games he played against Stephen Ashworth. Spencer, 44% three-point shooter, averaging 2.7 three-point field goals a game and just on just over six attempts. But in the two games versus Stephen Ashworth, including the game where Creighton got beat up nine games ago, Spencer is just one for four from three. And it's it's really the number four that's the most impressive. Yeah, that he only has taken four shots. He's taken four shots in two games, four three-point shots in two games. He averages over six attempts per game. Yes, you're talking about four fewer per game than he takes on average. It's kind of like what we talked about a little bit yesterday, John, with Kalkbrenner and how in the first game versus UConn, he didn't take very many shots. And you're saying, oh, and just give him more opportunities. Well, the opportunities were hard to come by in the first game. And, you know, this was the critique and the criticism of Ashworth was, well, he wasn't shooting well enough from three, and he was a defensive liability. You go all the way back to the beginning of the season, the Alabama game, for example, he didn't play much in that game, mm-hmm. especially in the second half, because he, he just he was a liability. But he, it started to turn around for him in Big East play, and against UConn, he held... Spencer to just two field goal, two three-point field goal attempts. And that's huge because that's where Spencer gets his points. He is predominantly a three-point shooter. He can score from inside, but, you know, typically he's more of, he's like, he's like a Mitch Ballock type. 
lot of points come from three. And so it's this defensive effort that really was critical. And it's not only that, but uh, Alex Caraban, who's their other great wing, uh, three-point shooter, he also uh, held low. I think, I think the, in the two games combined, those two players are just three of 12 from three. And, and, and we talked about it yesterday, Josh, in the run-up to the game. Creighton defended well in the first game. Yeah. They defended very well. They held UConn to their worst field goal percentage of the season. And then they kind of got lost in the wilderness a little bit in some of these games. The Butler one, obviously, is the one that people would bring up the most. But where they're giving up a ton of points. And so the offense is performing well, like it did in a 91-87 loss to Providence. Of course, the 99-98 loss to Butler. But now you look at their recent defensive stretch... And it seems like whatever they lost, they're finding it all over again. And you could ask Mac, and he talked to me about it both on the air and off. Even in that Butler game, they got Butler to take a lot of the shots they wanted him to take, but Butler made them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the, the thing about drop coverage and the way that Creighton plays it and the scouting report focused defense is it's about not letting the players shoot the shots that they're most comfortable shooting. And yeah, you're going to give up some relatively free mid-range looks. Tristan Newton last night scored a lion's share of his points from mid-range. Now, there's always adjustments you can make, but you can't take away everything. The idea behind Creighton's defense is you can't take away everything, but do your best to take away what the other team does best. And for the most part, it has worked this season. It's yeah. hard to argue with the numbers. But guys like Stephen Ashworth doing his role and performing at a much higher level is a big, big reason for that. Yeah. Speaking of Ashworth, uh, we caught up with him after the game. Just play a couple of clips here. But here was a little bit from Stephen Ashworth on our radio postgame show from last night. Talk a little bit about the uh, crowd tonight and, and really how much it helped you guys kind of bring the energy tonight. The crowd was massive. I mean, you talk about home court advantage. CHI was that tonight. And huge thanks to all the fans that came out. We appreciate you guys. Uh, from bottom to top, it was loud from the beginning of the game. And, and that makes a real difference. And even the fact that we didn't even get off to a good start for the engagement that they had to keep us in it in that early early bit was huge and it was just something that uh that i'll never forget how were you guys able to cinch it up especially early on first four or five minutes they already had five offensive rebounds how were you guys able to kind of control that because it'd be easy to fall back into oh my god here we go again because that's what they did in stores yeah absolutely i think that it was uh your memory serves you well in, in moments like that to where we were able to really quickly get to a place where it's like hey if we don't fix this, we know what this story is going to be like. And so in those at that four-minute media timeout, we were able to really kind of tighten things up, talk it through, make sure that in our different coverages or whatever, we're having other guys help rebound because typically you're going to have some guys get back in transition, and, and they do. And so uh, that's a large responsibility for us guards to help with the rebounding effort, and I think we, we cinched it up well. John, that – oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that going back to what he said about the start of the game is I think – 
One of the more impressive parts about the final score in this is that they win by 19 points, 85 to 66. Creighton does, and the score early it's what seven nothing, and then eleven three. Eleven to three was the high point for UConn. Yeah, so they're up by eight points, and so you talk about a 27 point swing after that, and like early on, it just it looked clunky, it looked disjointed. And, you know, I mean, to then have the lead that they did at the halftime. That's the crazy part, too. This isn't a second-half explosion. This is a, I mean, I know that the lead continued to build. But this was a end of the first half, just kind of destruction after trailing 11-3. to Well, they, they, they Creighton started two of their first nine and then proceeded to hit nine shots in a row. Yeah. And obviously what he did in particular, a part of that run is, I think, when the game went from, oh, wow, you know, th- this might be a, a back-and-forth affair throughout the night to, oh, it's going to turn into one of those nights. It could be he, one of those nights. He, he was the reason it turned into, oh, it's one of those nights. I think we mentioned this on the Grum yesterday. I know I mentioned it on the pregame show, but UConn has been so good at limiting teams shooting threes. There was only one time since December the 9th where a team had more than seven made threes in a game, and that was Butler. They had eight. Mm-hmm. Only twice this year did UConn allow opponents to shoot or make more than 10 threes, and they were both, you know, lower tier by game. We talked about it on the show yesterday. Losses. Yes, yes. Uh, I think it was Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and New Hampshire. Yeah. Where they had double digit threes. And last night, Creighton goes 14 of 28. And and I know we talked about this before, but the four position, you know, that's the that's the Doug position, has not been a position of strength this year. You know, Mason Miller, Isaac Trout, and now Jason Green. Well, last night, you got 16 points out of that position. Mm-hmm. Miller and Green combined for four threes. Yeah, four six. Night. And... Jason, those were Jason Green's first three made field goals of his career Mm -hmm. and calmly hit them both from the corner. That was enormous. I I thought if Creighton was going to win last night, you're going to need some – it can't be one of those games where it's just the big four, right? Yes. Like it was against Butler. Correct. It has to – you're going to have to get some contributions. And during that run in which Creighton made – Nine straight shots, two threes out of Francisco Farabello. Green had a three. You needed other guys to step up as well. Because the amazing thing was, Baylor Shireman didn't get his first points until, I believe, I'm going to double check, I believe it was... The 13 minute mark to play in the game. I wanted to bring. I wanted to bring that up because I mean, first of all, I think the timing of it was just interesting, given the discourse that surrounded him this week in a positive direction. Yes. We talked about it with Nick Ba yesterday. You and I have talked about it ourselves as well, and that being him, the idea of him being a Big East Player of the Year. And yet, as you just mentioned, he doesn't score until late. He only finishes, it's funny, he finishes with 12 points. Doesn't really tell the whole story, though. He goes 3 of 7 from the floor, does knock down a 3-pointer. But by that point in time, I mean, it was almost like the cherry on top. That like, oh, and now he has also added a bucket to the mm-hmm. game. And so that they're doing all of this at the same time without him playing at that, that level that we have spent a lot of time talking about. Him being at lately. 13.48 to play in the basketball game. Incredible. He got an and one for his first points of of the game. Now, and and that was the other thing. That stretch of nine in a row, Shireman's off the floor for the most part because mm-hmm. he's on the bench with two fouls. But the fact that they were able to continue to defend because Shireman has been, we talk about defense, 
he's had a pretty key assignment all season long. And they were still able to function. I believe they ended the first half on a 22-6 to run, all with Baylor Shireman off the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that you can build on going into the Big East tournament and NCAA tournament. The other thing I wanted to point out, too, um, you know, early on we were just talking about the 7 nothing run to start, the 11-3 to lead that UConn had. But uh, a tweet that I remembered and I just pulled up from last night from Matt Marinas at 7.48 uh, p.m., this is not with the game, he said, UConn already with five points on offensive rebounds and live ball turnovers. Continuation of the game in stores after the first handful yeah. of possessions. And yet, at the end of the game, the number of turnovers for Creighton is seven versus nine. Uh, two of our favorite numbers on the grum for UConn. And UConn finishes with 15 offensive rebounds versus 10 for Creighton. So, like, something that early on did not go very well completely disappears as the game continues. But look at the – you don't have you probably don't have the box score at the second chance points. You mentioned UConn still had five more offensive rebounds, but they only had one more second chance point. Yeah. In that category in stores, I believe the finishing total was 19-5 to five or something like that. And, and UConn, the first game. UConn finishes with nine points off of those turnovers. Creighton finishes with eight. So, I mean, essentially it just was rendered. Like a, a lot of the advantages of the first game were just not there. We're not there. And then obviously you add in 50% from the three. And, and you know, they finished. Creighton did about 55% from the field overall. There was like that large chunk. There was a graphic late in the game. I, I should have written down when, but it was 60% at that time. So, I mean, they were just humming right along. And then some shots late kind of dragged down the average to a still robust 54.7%. Robust 54.7%. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Before we break, here's a little bit more from last night. Here's part of our conversation with Greg McDermott, and certainly this one was big for him because not only was it a win over number one, it was his 600th career win as a head coach. 600 career wins, first ever win over number one. What does this mean to you? Uh, I mean, it's a culmination of a lot of things. You know, I've coached some really good players uh, over the year that over the years that have, you know, especially here at Creighton the last 14 years that have bought into the way that we want to play. It's not for everybody. Um, You know, we're going to play an unselfish brand of basketball. We're going to try to turn a good shot into a great shot. And some guys aren't wired that way. And and that's okay. Uh, But this is the way we like to play. And uh, to have it come tonight uh, in front of this crowd, uh, you know, it's, I think of Doug's senior night, maybe the Marquette game, the first Big East game, uh, and then tonight is you know three of the best that I've experienced here. This crowd was into it virtually every defensive possession for 40 minutes. So, <clears throat> you know, we have Marcus Foster back there with us today and Ryan yeah. Hawkins, and, you know, it takes you back. There's a, there's a lot of people that came before this group that allowed us to be where we are today uh, that put in a lot of work. And, you know, Ryan Hawkins, <clears throat> you know, the work he did, his senior year when all those guys were freshmen uh, somehow to get that team to the NCAA tournament and win a game in the NCAA tournament it really has set the tone and we all know how good Marcus Foster was and and how he had his fingerprints all over our success so just you think back to a lot of the guys you've coached uh, that you've been fortunate to coach that believed in you um, and to do it tonight against the number one team in the country against a you know UConn program that we have tremendous respect for um, you know and, and and we knew it was going to be a tough game. I wouldn't have guessed it would turn out the way it did, but uh, I'm especially proud of our guys that we were able to win in the fashion that we won. Did you throw out your shoulder <laughs> there, pumping your fist and doing the fist pump? I was a little excited. I was a little excited. Once in a while, I get a little excited. Some guys get excited at the referees. I get excited to try to get the crowd going <laughs> once in a while. So uh, it was uh, really proud of our team, proud of our fans. This, this place was lit 
uh, yeah, it was. really lit tonight, and uh, so much fun. And you know, the the cool thing is, you know, those 16 guys that wear our uniform, they're never going to forget tonight. And I think most of the people that sat here and watched the game are never going to forget it either. Yeah, there was the one moment I can't remember which timeout was in the second half where Mac literally came all the way out to midcourt and was doing his famous fist pump and then exhorting the crowd. I've I mean, I've seen him exhort the crowd before, but usually it's on the sidelines while the game's going on and it's a little more subtle. This one was was dare I say Shaka Smart S. Oh wow. But not in the face. So you were, but you not were saying, in the face suck, of the coach. opponent. Stop not it. Not in the face of the opponent, a la Shaka Smart. Mm. It was out in the open towards the crowd. Max writes, do you guys think that this can be the precursor to something special for the stripe out theme? Maybe a Penn State whiteout esque aura that started in two thousand two with a forty to seven win over top ten Nebraska. People see the stripe out theme. That's the when biggest- the whiteout started? That was the first time I remember it happened. Really? Yeah. Where they like called it a whiteout, and they implored people to wear just a white Which shirt. Which was so appropriate, because Nebraska wore those god-awful oh, all-white all uniforms, uniforms. indeed. With the He's, giant side-piping. He says, people see the stripe-out theme for the biggest games, and they think that's a big game. It has a buzz. I want to be a part of it, because it looked great. Top three atmospheres I've ever experienced in sports. I, I, I got to give credit, not only the fans for being Nick very energetic, but, hmm? but they followed suit. I mean... Now, sure, there were some you know white Jack and blue wagons. palm job, white and blue pom poms in each of the sections. But as I looked around, it looked fantastic on television. Mm-hmm. Definitely did. So on, and I think they were promoting it before the Butler game, but with only a really a two day run up between games that people were able to you know wear the right color mm-hmm. yeah, in good, their section. It looked great. Good job, people. Uh, by the way, awesome. we uh, mentioned old man Doug earlier, and you yeah. said he wouldn't storm the court. He's old. How about these photos? Look at him on the court. Wow, old man Doug, a criminal in yeah, John he says, I did. Eyes. I did storm the court, just got past the free throw line. The hip is just fine. That's what I like to see. Are we sure that's not from the Seton Hall game four oh, years ago? Interesting. Oh, there is. Oh, that's a COVID mask. Good call, John. Nice eye. No, we weren't wearing masks before that's that, true. remember? That's true. We were like, oh, that's that's over there in China. That's not going to get over oh, here. That's just in the big cities. It's in Seattle yeah. and New York. We're that fine. was John's boner. We're fine. Yeah. Ma- wine? Uh, yeah. I, I'm not the one that brought the bat to the picnic. Behind the bat. Uh, Jeff texts in, I know you're a homer station, but you think Creighton won the natty or something. 15 over one is not uncommon. You're not uncommon. Mm. Well, I mean, he's nice. He's a human. Humans are very common. Uh, so there's always a party pooper in the crowd. Uh, we're just Every we're talking about the game. They beat a number one team. They beat a number one team. It's exciting. It's an exciting win. Just John like, was excited. Just like we talked about Nebraska beating Purdue. Exactly. Purdue. It was an exciting game. Yeah. It was a thrill. It was a lot of fun. There were stripes. There were stripes. But as usual, it's always the what aboutism. Mm. Oh, but what about? But what about? Well, don't worry. About? We'll talk How about other stuff. How you talk then? about my team? Well, you know what? I'm going to talk about your. Well, I don't even know the what Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. No, we're not talking oh. about. Say Dallas. the Rockies. Yeah. Wow. I'm in baseball mode. I mean, now. we will. We will uh, look ahead to I'm tonight's game. Mm. Well, well, the 17 Nebraska ball fans who are in Bloomington storm the court tonight if the Huskers win a win a road game in the Big Ten. Great question. That would be funny if they did. That would Great be question. Hilarious. By the way, do now, we... they'd probably be tackled. But all you have to do is wear those ugly looking Indiana alternate uniforms. Oh, dude, those are painful. And they won't be able to see you because yeah. it just looks awful. By the way, are we going to talk about Northwestern's boner on the show today? Did Northwestern boner on the show uh, or yesterday? Did, well, no, not boner? in basketball. In in football, with their they st- didn't even play. Have you? 
Oh, so I'm going to share you a story then throughout the commercial I'm break. I'm going to share boner. you a story. Uh, it's, this will be Northwestern's boner. It is quite the story. Boner. Quite the story. That indeed. is. I know, folks. Northwestern funny. football in February. I know it's weird, but quite, we got to do it. Quite the story. Quite the boner. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, as we wrap up this segment, a couple of submissions to the internet is undefeated. Uh, this was a pretty... So on the Ashworth three that was about ten feet behind the three He's point very line, deep, yes. someone from the upper deck, and this is from Jay's twenty four seven, took a picture, and there's no. This is a video. It's a, yeah, it's a, a screenshot. screenshot. Yes. Sorry, it's a screenshot yeah. from a video, and in between the space on the floor where Ashworth is and the basket, someone is holding up three fingers. Four, because, three. And it's perfectly placed. Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. The three is right in front of him. You can see the whole shot They're happening. They're doing the okay thing that they made oh, Herbie no! Husker Oh, no, problematic, doing. John. Typical okay, that's crazy. not problematic. That's an okay, that's an, actually, it's not, even, it's not even an Shireman. okay symbol. Or not Shireman. That's Ashworth. And yeah, he Ashworth that. is canceled. That's a three symbol. Yeah. What's for, the difference? For three fingers. And then uh, this the one was from. picture. No, no, no. This was from Creighton Athletics last oh, night. No. I was making a reference. This was late in the game where the Jays got a... Uh, is he playing air guitar? No, no, no. They got a... Oh. The ball went out of bounds, and the and official was pointing that direction. So that's Francisco <laughs> Farabello kind of doing the bow and pointing in the direction of Creighton having the ball. It is good but, that he's bowed. But yes. no, notice, notice in the background... Grumpy Dan Hurley. Yeah, did you see? Did you see the video that I sent? I you? wish I could submit this and have a, yeah. a, a, a screenshot, but we'll just have to describe it. So, uh, Dan Hurley did this. Dan Hurley, the head coach Hurley. at UConn, That's a Weezer album. He he put out a 15 <laughs> second video where someone. I'm assuming someone did this for him. Or, I would assume he didn't make this himself. I mean, if he did this himself, maybe that's the reason they lost. They were pre- doing yeah. too much time making fun videos instead of prepping for the game. He so I'm is, assuming someone did this for him. Yeah, they edited his face over Cersei Lannister's oh. in the scene. Spoiler alert for Game of Thrones Season 5, I think, where she walks naked through the streets of King's Landing, oh, and they all yeah. say, shame. 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 It's well, fortunately, as... the way they edited the video, well, or we don't maybe see Dan unfor- Hurley naked. We, you, yeah. Well, we don't or see Cersei. Cersei. Does he get naked? naked? Yeah, exactly. I believe that was a stunt naked. It was. It was not Cersei. It wasn't actually her naked. Yeah, no. very sad. Yeah. But it was still, By the way, it was still a naked woman. Also, in the background of that, you never got into Ted Lasso, correct? No. But man, it is so wild to see the owner of the soccer team in Ted Lasso is the the horrible woman from Game of Thrones. That horrible person. She is the owner of the soccer team, the soccer club in uh in Ted Lasso. She's a great character on the show. But in this, she's the worst. Remember at the end? Remember how she meets her maker? She's going to get tortured for all eternity. Oh, by, uh, yeah. By, by the, uh, not by the hound, by what was the, the hound's brother? Yeah, what was the hound's brother's name? The mountain? The, the mountain. mountain. Oh, God. Mountains, Gandalf. <laughs> mountains. Yeah. Yeah, that was, ooh, yeah. Not that, great. That was she a, was going to get tortured. That was, a, that was a B word of a different kind. Oh, indeed it was. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't going to be pretty. Uh, pretty end for her. Yeah, indeed. All right. We got more coming up, including, I guess... I guess Northwestern Boner. I will tell you about Northwestern's Boner when we return. Also, Dave Bar 2 still to come, oh. and we'll preview Nebraska-Indiana. Big game. Tonight. Big, Is big that game. a 6 p.m.? Big, big shoes. 7.30. Jeez. So 8.30 for the folks in Indiana. 
Why do they love late tip-off times? I know it's TV. Yeah, I mean that's the answer. Well, right? there's that... there's there's a game before it. Is, is it a BTN special or is it a FS1 special? I would assume it's BTN. Yep. Casey Tomanaga, Nebraska. Blah blah blah. The game before it is Penn State in Illinois. Oh. That's a Central Time game. Illinois is in the yeah, Central Time Zone. Jeez. Unreal. Always messing with the teams from Nebraska. Sad. I mean, uh, we'll make you tip off sad. later. Hey, John, you'll be you home, though. It's you not can, like you don't have anything to do. You can watch it. To be fair, this is good for you, though. You can get home and watch the game now. Yeah. Well, I'll miss part of it because I got to walk Riggs tonight. Yeah. But I'll catch the end. Understood. Definitely catch the end. All right, cool. But then again, if it's like the Illinois game, maybe I shouldn't walk the dog. Because when I was walking the dog, that's when the they game did well. No, Husker I'm sorry, I'm hater. The Wisconsin game when Wisconsin was blowing them out in the first half you know, was when I was walking Miss Riggs. Uh-huh. When I got home, the comeback happened. Mm. Wrigley, get down! But I must walk my dog. Understandable. And that is not a euphemism for anything. No, other no. than I must walk my. But dog. But we will have a euphemism for something when we return. Sixteen twenty, the zone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.